listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 204, Over the Moon. No one told me this was a musical. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, the number one place to get your animation fix with animation addicts just like you. Each episode, we dive into the wonderful world of animation featuring Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, and everything in between. From hilarious discussions and movie reviews to interviews with industry insiders, this show's mission is to brighten your day through our love of animation. So hop on your nerdy couch, grab some snacks, and get ready to hang out with your animation besties because it's time to dive into today's episode. Hey there, animation addicts. I'm your host, Morgan Stradling. And I am Chelsea Robson. And we are over the moon to be with you today. Oh, I see what you did there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Just a little foreshadowing (laughs) about what this episode is going to be about. But let's cut to the chase. I'm really pumped for this movie that we are going to be reviewing because we are talking about Glenn Keane's Over the Moon which just came out and I was blown away. We will dive into that obviously in our main discussion, but this is a good one. I was so surprised. (laughs) I had no idea. (laughs) I had zero idea what to expect going into this. And I was like, wait, what? This is a musical? What? (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Of all the things people told me, I didn't, they never once mentioned this. (laughs) So here we go. Let's do it. So some backstory before we get started on our review and our discussion, we are talking about Over the Moon. The film was released in the United States on October 23rd, 2020. It was directed by the one, the only, Glenn Keane. Ooh, ah. (laughs) We should only say his name in hushed tones because he's just that amazing. Mm. Must be revered, yes. (laughs) The production companies were Netflix Animation, Pearl Studio, Dentsu Entertainment, Sony Pictures, Image Works, and Glenn Keane Productions. There were a lot of studios that were involved in producing this film. The box office, it did $860,000, but the reason for that is because it was a Netflix exclusive, hence Netflix animation. And I just got to say, Netflix has completely stepped up their game as far as their new releases. And we talked about this in our Klaus episode. I agree. Yes, I've, I felt like this one specifically was on par with a lot of movies that I've seen over the last couple of years as... and. Saying that coming from a Netflix, meaning if you look at like what Netflix was not more than 10 years ago, it's just, it's a huge difference. I mean, it's just amazing what, what it is. Yeah. They, they really wanted to create a name for themselves for high quality, well-produced entertainment and movies and film. And especially their animation division has made sure that they are on par, if not better than the other studios out there. I think when we're talking about feature film animation, we talk about Disney, we talk about Pixar, we talk about DreamWorks, you talk about Sony, we used to talk about Blue Sky, right? But Netflix should be one of the main ones that we're discussing in any time that this is brought to the table. 
they they have risen to that level for sure. But it's hard yeah. because I think we kind of think of them as oh they're just this other thing over there, their streaming service, and it's because their films don't play on the same playing field, if you will, where as the other ones are typically always going to theaters. And so it's like, oh, those are all the theatrical releases. And then that's Netflix and what they do, even though, I mean, it doesn't matter anymore, especially with what happened last year. And we've already had this discussion in our nerdy couch discussion episode, episode 199, where we talked about the future of theaters and the rise of streaming services. It's the game has changed. I agree. Uh, it's also interesting because I kind of also separate them as being more of a distribution rather than an actual studio. Because, mm -hmm. But they do have studio influence. But you look at a lot of the production companies are just going them going to them for distribution. So I don't know how how much I would um, connect them in my mind as being a animation studio. I mean, yeah, they they may not be the ones actually doing the animation, but that's the, not necessarily the case for these other studios as well. There's a lot of studios where it's our name, it's our story, but we just farm out the animation to another True. studio or multiple studios a lot of times. That's how they're able to kind of pump these out is because they have five studios working on it to really help with the throughput. Um, True. It's an interesting point that you mentioned about you You just see them as a distributor. And really, that's what they had to be. And that's what they were for so long because they weren't able to produce their own films. And they just basically had all these licensing deals with the studios. You know, 10 years ago when Netflix streaming was first on the scene, none of the other studios had streaming services. And so they liked Netflix because they were able to, you know, get get their stuff out on a streaming service that was very, very, very big. But now all the studios they've diversified or they've kind of gone back home and they all have their own streaming services. And so Netflix smartly has stepped up and realized, okay, we're losing all of our licensing deals. The only way that we're going to be able to have content on this platform, since everyone's scraping their stuff back, you know, like Disney with Disney plus, they literally had to pay extra money to get the rights back to their films, you know, cause they had mm -hmm. these licensing deals that were set for X, number of years they said nope well we'd, we'd rather just pay you to get out of here and so they did that uh you think of the office which was forever and for always the number one show on netflix it was the most streamed of all of their shows that was taken back by the owners of that property and so netflix has had to step up they've had to either start producing their own films or these independent, some of these smaller production companies that maybe wouldn't have made it otherwise, but they're still really great, really high quality productions. They say, Hey, we'll distribute your film. We'll put it exclusively on our platform. And of course, people who are trying to get their name out there, you know, if there's no other option, maybe that is the best option, but it is an option now. So very, very interesting with Netflix. What was the budget on this? Unclear. Unclear. <laughs> so let's talk about Glenn Keane because we absolutely love Glenn Keane. And we talked about this in our last episode, the Black Cauldron episode. We mentioned him a little bit, but <laughs> uh, Glenn Keane is one of my all time favorite animators, favorite artists, because he has just so much life and movement in his drawings. Like, for example, yes. the Art of Tangled book the is one of my all time favorite art books because just the way that he draws Rapunzel and he's also the animator of Ariel and it's just he is able to capture the female form and just you know he doesn't only he doesn't only do females but particularly those two females is just so dreamy and you know he initially was supposed to be the director of Tangled but had to step back because of um, cancer and so it was kind of like oh 
he lost his chance, you know, he was, he was right up there and then he had to step away, but it, it's not the case. He's gone on to do bigger and better things. He has Glen Keen productions, which is his own studio. They did a lot of shorts for a while. And now the, there's a bunch of other things that they've been doing. You know, this film, they have a series on Netflix called trash truck and it's on its second season which is really, really cool. So he's really gone to do a lot of amazing things. And the very beginning with this, that that sort of like dream sequence or where they're telling the legend of the moon, I, it was so Glenn Keane to me because that is his style that he's done in these short films like Duet and the basketball short that he did about Kobe Bryant. It's just kind of this like pencil, sketchy, 2D, very whimsical pinnacle Glenn Keane to me as soon as I saw that I'm like oh we're here he has he has brought it mm-hmm. yeah I I loved that little dream sequence I mean it wasn't really a dream sequence but it was you know the storytelling sequence where they like mm-hmm. bring in the, the the background and the fact that you can see just like the graphite on the paper still mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. loved how it takes me back to when he was talking about duet and just saying how he had never really seen how his pencil looks on paper because every time that he at working at Disney he was one of the initial artists and then his art would be taken to somebody who would basically do all the finished lines and he would do all they would do all the finished like tracings and and basically take away all of the graphite on it and he was just talking about how that was the first time he was able to see how, what his drawings look like mm-hmm. on screen and i feel like he kept that in there for this as well because he likes that and I like it too. Mm -hmm. I appreciate seeing all of those extra details and some of them aren't even um, integral to the actual paper or the actual art, art, but it adds movement to it as you Mm -hmm. go. And so every picture you can tell is just so, um, it's just so full of life. And I just, I adore watching him draw. I love watching his characters and I'm just really glad to see part of that on there. So this is a really interesting film. So this film is all Chinese, which is really, really cool. The characters are Chinese. Most of the voice actors are of Chinese or Asian descent. And it's a very, very Chinese story based on this legend. So this is a a real legend of the moon goddess named Chung'e. And, you know, she took this potion that was meant for her, her lover, husband sort of thing. And as a result was basically taken away to the moon and became the moon or, you know, the a moon goddess essentially. And her husband, her lover wasn't able to come with her. And so she's just waiting, waiting for him and wanting to be re- reunited with him. So that's the story that we're introduced to at the beginning. And then we see Fei Fei, who is this young girl. And she, we see this really cool, interaction between her father and her mother and then of course as is always the case a parent dies (laughs) it's really sad it really is especially as like it seems like this happens within a period of a couple months Mm -hmm. because the first part of the song uh well first off once again this was a musical. What? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was so surprised when his mo- when the mom starts singing and I'm like, oh, okay. This We're is going what there. it is. We're yeah. going there. <laughs> like this is a straight up like normal musical movie. So yes. I was like, whoa, okay. I I was mm-hmm. very I got excited. I was like, oh cool. This is gonna be interesting. So during that first sequence, you could just see it, it was kind of 
of like a, you know, a little bit on the up side where it kind of shows their in up. I feel like up did it a lot more poignantly. Uh, mm-hmm. I always cry at the end of the the marriage sequence in up. But in this yeah, one, you life. do the married life. You do get really sad because you're just kind of watching the mom, you know, play along with her little girl. And like, she's a young mom. Like, she's not old at all. But then and the dad also not old. Like, then the mom dies and it's just heart wrenching. Like, oh, mm-hmm. gosh. And then it skips forward to four years later. So I really love the themes and the different character real life situations that the characters were in. And I feel like we haven't really seen a situation where a parent dies. I mean, maybe we have, but it's, it seems new and fresh to me where a parent dies and the child is having to cope with a, a new love interest for their parent and struggling with that. You know, you see her acting out, you see her getting really upset about this. Now I will say a lot of this is on the dad. <laughs> basically, they basically the first time she meets her is like what when they're engaged, basically. And it, yeah, I mean, is that a cultural thing? I I cannot speak <laughs> to I Chinese cannot culture, speak but for that either. I feel like bef- in most normal situations, before you would most American situations, before you would even get to the point of hey, we're engaged, you would probably introduce <laughs> your love interest to your children, get them familiar with them, see how they work out. You know, maybe this is a horrible thing and it, like, you know, <laughs> you're, you're bringing a new person into this family unit. It's not just you. Um, I feel like that's normally what happens. Um, so the fact that he's like, Oh, I have something really important to tell you and then doesn't get around to it. And then she basically, someone spills the beans at the family dinner. That's a bad the son does. And the son yes. is like super annoying. <laughs> like- <laughs> yes. I would be uh, annoyed chin. if I were her. I would be like, no, <laughs> I I will not claim you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because you have these two different personalities where you have Chin who is fully embraced this new life where, hey, we're going to be, you're going to be my sister. We're going to be siblings. Our parents are getting married and he's all for it, right? Who knows how long he's been without a dad. Maybe he never knew his dad. Whereas Feifei, she's still really, really attached and hasn't let go, which is another big film theme of the film of her mother, which rightfully Uh so Uh, it's only been four years, but you know, and you're never, it's never appropriate to tell someone to move on, but you do need to move on. And there comes a time, but especially as a child, it is hard to cope with this. And you can see how she's trying to hold on to all those different aspects of her mother. She's holding on to the recipe that her mom did for the moon cakes. And mm-hmm. when the new woman comes in, she wants to reject anything to do with that because this is the way that my mother did it. This is the way that we do it in our family because by changing something that was so important to her mother and their relationship, it makes her mother that much more far removed. If we change the yeah. recipe, if we add the red beans to them, then my mother and her legacy is is gone in a way. More time has passed to, you know, the realization of as much time that has passed, has passed. It becomes very, a lot more real. And especially if you're trying to not, if you're trying to freeze time and say, it maybe just happened or it's not real until I say it's real. Um, and also just like, you know, it. I like how this movie went through and it it showed the real grieving process of mm-hmm. that some people will take. 
mm-hmm. as opposed to just fluffing it over and skipping over all, all that like really messy stuff. Yeah. As most Disney and other animated movies generally do. Like they most movies they just kind of skip over that as if it's like, okay, it hurt. Yeah, it's sad, but we're uh-huh. not gonna show the actual process of yeah. of grieving. And I thought it, it could have been interesting to see a lot more of those internal there's there's i feel like this movie was so close to being amazing mm-hmm. it was good but it was so close to being amazing that it just didn't quite get it like for example the brother uh chin there was a part later on where he was like i'd be a good brother and it just kind of hurt a little bit because you can tell that like we don't really get any information about him we don't understand his side of the story other than from her point of view, he just looks annoying and he and mm-hmm. very determined to do whatever he's going to do. But, you know, his we know that his mom still goes by Mrs. So to me, that means that his dad died. OK, if he doesn't if he seems, as you said, uh, very much able to embrace this new situation and looking forward to the fact of having a family, looking forward to this whole thing, it, says to me that he didn't really know his dad very much. And so he's looking forward to this new opportunity. Uh, But it doesn't dig into that enough to solidify those feelings. It just kind of like, that's just me kind of dissecting and thinking, okay, this is where he could be. And I feel like that was a missed opportunity to bring a little bit more of, of of his side into it instead of just her side of just... I'm going to push everybody away until I'm not going to push them away. Yeah. I didn't really struggle with him. I thought, I, I think that he was a breath of fresh air compared to her perspective. If we had sort of like two people who were brooding over lost parents, it would have been a lot. So to see him where he really is the place where she needs to be, she needs to have moved on and still have that vibrancy for life. Um, while still revering the parent and, you know, not forgetting them, but you know, you can move on and life does move on. There's a good quote by Gobi who I'm not even sure what type of creature he's supposed to be, but he's the green he guy asks her, I have on my notes. <laughs> he's a what? The green guy. That's all I have. Uh, I mean, I, I have his name, but like parentheses, yeah, he, the he green like guy. A green, a green hedgehog sort of character, but even then he's he had like tongue. this long tongue. I'm like, I don't know what you are, but then he was talking about scales. So I'm like, I, are you an alligator? I don't know. But yeah. Gobi, he's asking her about her mom and how long has it been? She said four years. And he had just mentioned how he's been waiting, kind of been exiled for a thousand, for a thousand years. And he's like, <laughs> oh, it's still fresh. Like, give it time. And that was just such a very simple line, but it, it was so, so true. Someone who has walked this before, someone who has lived longer than you and has more wisdom than you understands that anything in life, the grieving process, something horrific has happened to you or traumatic, whatever it is, time does heal those wounds. And I just thought it was just like a very simple line that just was full, so full of wisdom, just like give it time. It wasn't, he didn't say, Oh, well it's been four years, like hurry up, move on. Like you need to get over this. It's like, it's been four years, give it time. And that's amazing because sometimes it does take people, you know, they're, they're over it you know, losing a parent very quickly and they're able to just continue on while others, they, it really, really wrecks them for a long time. So just going back, I, I loved that this was one of the central conflicts of the film. It just yeah. felt super real. It felt very fresh and modern. 
uh, like you were saying, some older Disney classics, older films, they just kind of like brush over the rug. Like, you know, Cinderella's parent mom dying. We get a little bit of that. And then the stepmother. And then here we are fast forward 15 years later and she's a maid in her own household and all the trauma mentally that she must have gone <laughs> through, but she's still so chipper and happy, you know, um, which you can get to that point. I believe that she was able to get to that point because of her natural disposition. But, you know, that's just a comparison of that versus this. And we're seeing her in it, you know, where Cinderella yeah. has the scars, but Fei-Fei, it still has the wounds. And yeah. this is something that people talk about all the time is like, you want to share scars, not wounds. Um, but mm -hmm. in this story, we're in the wound and that's okay because we're seeing how it heals. Yeah. And and the process of of that healing. I feel like she's like maybe 10 or so at this time what do you think because i know that uh they said that the boy was eight and she seemed yeah i figured close. like 12 ish uh -huh. um yeah maybe 10 to 12 sounds somewhere good. in there yeah i mean she's very smart she's you know top of her class type you know, everything and everybody's like what she's this you know top of her class and she still believes in in these stories <laughs> what <laughs> This is your culture. So what's wrong with yeah. you? <laughs> right. <laughs> because they get together and they have this moon festival, right? And like everyone's talking about it in the family. Uh, so it yeah. seems like a very common sort of thing that they discuss. And it's a big part of, you know, it's a celebration in this holiday, except for at school where that's just like, you know, all the science. Right. <laughs> yeah. I liked how the, you know, the difference between the dad and the mom, uh, you know, before she died as far as like the mom was the the dreamer type or the, mm -hmm. the, uh, yeah, bringing on the, the creativity side. And then the dad was like, well, do you want to hear the scientific side? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. We'll just, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Shut down. <laughs> I love the character designs, um, especially the dad, like the dad was just a, had a really cool design. He felt, I felt very fatherly to me, you know, and the mother, and you could see the resemblance between Fei-Fei and the mother. And when the relatives come, I felt like everyone just sitting at that table, like we all have a relative that is one of those people, <laughs> like the overweight uncle and the very old grandma. And then the grandpa who's always spouting off wisdom, whether you want it or not, you know, the cool aunts, right? Things just like gossip that. back and yeah, forth. Yeah. And <laughs> I just loved it. It was a very, it was very true to family dynamics, but at the same time it we see elements of chinese not elements of chinese culture we see chinese culture we see you know um in chinese culture i've been to china chelsea's been to china uh obviously i haven't lived there for extended periods of time but i was there for about a month chelsea you're probably there about a month as well um around then you know the the dining room table with the family with those lazy susans where all the those food is just favorite. in the middle it's the best i'm like why hasn't this come to america why? what is what is our this... deal with our rectangular tables yeah and no lazy susan it's just amazing yes. it's like you, you have access is... to all of the food no one is reaching over because that is very improper you just get the food that you want yes i was here yes. for it yes my mom has a big round dining room table i'm like i want that table but I, not just that i want i want to get a, a lazy susan up that size because the only <laughs> lazy susans you can find here in the states are like the size of like the centerpiece and it's like yeah. no 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 this is not how it's done like why are we wasting so much space this <laughs> yes. is what i'm thinking every time i look at that table every time i think about chinese culture i'm like or being in China, I'm like, I want those tables. Why? I don't understand what we've. You just hey, take it in your own hands. Go this. to AliExpress or Alibaba and order one for yourself That's for Mother's true. Day. Should, there you go. <laughs> Say, Mom, <laughs> we need more family time. 
And trust me, our family dinners will go up 10 notches with this, just will be amazing. this addition. Trust me on it this. It will be. I mean, it's so great because, and there's like at the end where, you know, he's, you can see the grandpa, he's like trying to search for the crab or whatever, but he it passes them <laughs> yes. and she just kind uh -huh. of like spins it back Whoop. to him. And there's this uh -huh. moment that they look at each other and I'm like, I had one of those moments with my friend in China too. <laughs> it was funny. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So she talking about how she's so smart. She clearly is so smart that she has figured out all the laws of physics to build her own rocket ship. Just she was that motivated enough to meet the moon goddess, right? <laughs> but she figured out what many have put decades, eons, centuries she's, into discovering. She's basically she just doing it in her backyard. trying to get a job with, with SpaceX. Now, SpaceX yes. should just be going to them. I <laughs> gosh okay no the moment where she's walking by this train and she's like oh my gosh this is the best technology ever like they don't even need wheels and all all this magnetic technology and then you have the the guys who are building this train does not inspire confidence because they're like oh that's how it works and i'm like oh crap <laughs> they didn't design uh, it they're just putting it together <laughs> still that's like they're the ones putting it together. <laughs> All I saw when I saw that was monorail, 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 mono, dope. <laughs> uh, good old Simpsons reference for the win. Yeah, so Always. she discovers the way to to do this, and it was interesting because I'm like. I, I'd seen the movie poster and the movie poster for this film actually is kind of confusing. And I don't think it really does the film justice. This movie is really, really good, but it's tonally very random. It just visually, you know, you have this very stylized family in modern day China. And then you go to the story of the mythology and, and that's very classic hand-drawn Glenn Keane. And we've actually meet Chenga. She, and I'm going to say that incorrectly. I'm very, very sorry, but you know, she's very much this super stylized anime street fighter sort of character, <laughs> you know, and then the, the moon where she lives is just super bright and there's all these characters and, and all of these things together. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. This should not work, but it does surprisingly. It's still kind of weird to me. And so that's the problem with the movie poster. I'll include a link in the show notes of the movie poster. But the movie poster is just, uh, there's, oh, it says over the moon, there's a moon, there's a spaceship going over it. You got her, you got her bunny, you got the guy with the ping pong paddle, and then you got Gobi, and then you have this castle, and then you have this mysterious woman smiling. It's just like, what, what is, what is this? I don't, I don't know what any of these things are. You have two flying drag, two flying lion dragon things <laughs> two two flying griffins she calls them lions but it's like oh uh, i see what is this movie you know and i think some people might look at this and and not give it a chance or not realize it's as good as it is but it is and she makes it to the moon surprisingly and but her little brother soon to be little brother possibly if they make it out of orbit uh <laughs> she didn't account for his weight so that creates a, a big problem but never fear uh, they just got a, a beam of mystical light that zaps them in. So I know we say this every single time. We said this with Raya. It's like, wait, you're telling me she's the first person who's ever tried in thousands of years to meet the goddess, to fly to the moon? She had enough faith, trust in pixie dust to make it happen? And knowledge of uh, uh, magnetic poles. <gasps> 
I mean, the government has their own spaceships. Like they right, could for sure. totally make this happen. Like all of tomorrow. Them do. <laughs> so yeah, that's just, I mean, that's like a total nitpick of this. Like, hmm. I'm not quite sure how and why we get from her being on earth to her being in the moon, but whatever she got to the moon, she built a spaceship. Cool. Great. Yeah. I, okay. So she, the moment she gets into the moon, uh, and she meets Chenga. Well, first off, it's it's cool because you're looking at it. The lighting is very different. I, I saw an interview with Glenn and he was talking about how when they're on Earth, you have all the light comes as a reflection off of something else. And so you have all these different colors coming in. But then they decided that when they went to the moon, that instead of light reflecting, which is actually how light reflects, that's how we see the moon, uh, mm -hmm. they uh personified it as it light emit like emerges from them mm -hmm. um so they like they all have within. a very shining within and then everybody's just like very different like the lunar people are are all people <laughs> they're they're little shapes and and moon pies and different things it's like it's a it's a cool place to be i thought it was really cool and then the moment it like comes in it's like what the i'm in a like pop star like concert what is yeah. this but i'm here <laughs> yeah i was texting chelsea as i was watching this and i was like i had no idea that this was a musical let alone an incredible musical and then we get to the point where she's on the moon and i'm like what just happened lady gaga appeared and that's really what it was it's like uh -huh. we have this pop star singer who's just singing a, a musical number that is in a completely different style than the other one you know the the initial songs the first two songs were very broadway to very me broadway. and i couldn't pinpoint like what cut there was just one there was one musical that it very much reminded me of but it's just like escaping me and I'm like, okay, this is kind of the vibe for these songs of this movie. And then it like totally did a huge pivot to pop star territory. And at first I was like, oh, oh, okay. I like, but what's happening? Hold on. Confused. Wait, why? <laughs> but I like it's visually it's amazing. And I love the animation. And I really loved about the goddess because she is this goddess, like just what she's able to do with her dress. And sometimes it's really, it's just transforming and moving all around her. And she's able to float into the sky and it gets really big and it's billowy. And it was really, really cool. I thought she was an incredible character. I loved her. I thought she was beautiful. The way that she was designed, her makeup, her hair, her clothes specifically. Apparently they re apparently all of her clothes were designed by a very hot couture designer in China. And it felt oh, that course. way. It felt very authentically yeah. Chinese, but traditional Chinese, except for the part where she goes to the ping pong tournament and boom, she becomes a street fighter character which I thought was amazing. Like, ah, there's just like, I got goosebumps during that ping pong scene as crazy as that is. Like it was so cool to me, but so different. Yeah. It's just, it's just so weird in like the best way possible. Um, I don't know how this works, but it totally does. <laughs> See, I, I think that a lot of elements work, but then a lot of elements left me feeling like I don't understand. Uh, for example, there's all these points in time where they're referencing, oh, well, she's the one that, that ate both immortality pills. So really it's her own fault that she's alone. And then he brings us, Chen brings us up during that thing. Like, well, you're the one who took the two, you know, things. And then that, like the, the ping pong decided that he was the winner. Cause it like magically went above her 
paddle. So like that was weird. So here are my notes. <laughs> From the moment we meet her, I said, well, dang, this would be a great concert to go to. And right. then after that, <laughs> it shifts over and I'm like, oh, uh-uh, uh-oh, she's going to be trouble. Like, because there's just little moments where, um, where Feifei was like, oh, but because you're still waiting for him because you love him and everything. And it just kind of the the angles or, you know, the the beat that it it left on her face, on her her expression mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just made it seem like she was not that like, like she, she was going to be very... a villain. Like she had yes. different motives that were very self-interested. She was going to do anything it takes to reunite. And so I, I'm with you. Like when she when I kind of saw these little like moments where it kind of cast doubt on her character i thought she's going to betray feifei because why she just met her two minutes ago why right. does she have any allegiance to her she's using her and feifei is going to get really hurt and damaged in the process but that wasn't uh -huh. it at all it you know she gets her little amulet and she has her moment to be reunited but feifei's fine she's just kind of a, a bystander in that right there wasn't Which, like a villain moment with her trying to take her down right uh, which actually i kind of have a problem with not that i wanted her to be a villain and for feifei to have even more damage uh but it was just kind of it felt disconnected like the character that was being portrayed shifted so many times that i didn't feel like i knew who that character was and that was where i had a problem um so after the point where i said uh oh this is, she's gonna be trouble but with an amazing wardrobe. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I was there for that as well. Yes. But I do still feel like there needed to be more explanation for her. Uh, there was just too many like, mixed messages from her situation. Like, everybody talks about how she changed a lot once Huyi left or died. Uh -huh. And she just went into the darkness and then now everything is this. And so she changed a lot. But then when Hoi comes back, when they put the amulet back together, it was just a very disconnect. Cause I didn't feel like she really learned anything either because then later on she goes into the, the chamber of immense sadness and she just goes in there. And <laughs> that then, is a, that is a pure Chinese translation right there. The chamber is, of immense sadness, you know, <laughs> 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 Th things we would never say in English. We wouldn't phrase it that way, but I love it. Yes. That, it perfectly is that. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So she's in there and then it seems like she sees Feifei in there and she's like, oh, you're not supposed to be in here. I'm only supposed to be in here like sad and depressed. And then she's the one that comforts Feifei. But mm -hmm. I feel like I don't know if you're in the place to be able to comfort her because you're in the same space. Like, but maybe that's it was the point is that sometimes you can be in a grieving two people can be grieving and they can be grieving about different things but in that moment when you take it off yourself and you focus on someone else it makes it, it makes you feel better and it helps you overcome your situation you right like doing acts of service help you like it's been proven that it helps people get out of depression when they actually get out and serve, you get out of your own head, you get out of your own thinking about woe is me and you focus it on someone else. And I think maybe that's maybe not as eloquently. They didn't express that where she's struggling, but she sees someone in need and she's able to help and that helps her. But yeah, it was very, very fresh. It was five seconds previously, you know, this had just happened, which is she'd been waiting for for millennia's. 
So yeah, I, I feel like she probably would have taken that really hard. <laughs> like, you know, they're talking about the different uh, meteor showers that happens whenever she gets in her moments. I feel like right. that one would have been pff, like mm-hmm. the moon is blood and <laughs> like the ultimate anything bad that right. can happen in the universe is going to be happening. I agree. Yeah. That's just where I felt like there was a disconnect. Like I, I think they could have shaped that interaction in differently so that mm-hmm. it came across as as more of a I am going to basically weep in empathy with you mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to comfort you in some way. Um, yeah. And then through empathy, you're able to both get past things together. And right. and sometimes it really is just that empathy that I don't need you to tell me they're there. I need you to just I need to just see that somebody else also feels this and feel validated in my own feelings so that I can let them go. Uh-huh. And I, I think that that could have been shifted better. So that's where I was with the Chungae character. I still absolutely loved her though. I thought she was very confident, even though that maybe didn't Everything match. Everything else about her. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Towards the end, but she was just so confident. She was so beautiful. She was just so, ah, again, that ping pong scene. Her face, her reactions, <laughs> her hair, her makeup, everything about it. I was like, I love this character. She's spunky and she's cool. And I just would love to see more of her. I need I need a spin-off series of just what does she do in her spare time, you know? <laughs> but yeah. Uh, and then we kind of have this middle sequence where it's like, oh, I need the gift. Right. Mm. And it just happens to be, you know, we think it's the doll, and then it ends up being the package, you know, inside the the moon cake. And I'm like, but that's the second missing piece to the one that's literally on her neck. This is an ancient relic. Why did the soon-to-be stepmom have it? Or is this just a because generic piece of jade that, like, did I miss this? I was yes, watching this with it. children. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you missed it. So there was, I, I thought I missed it too until I was like, I don't get it. Because I, I do remember because they were kept doing this whole, oh, the gift, the gift. And I'm like, well... The mom did give her the gift because at first I thought that it was going to, you know, they were going to somehow use the picture uh, as a like, well, actually the gift is because she never says what the gift is. And so when Feifei goes back to the the landing site, uh, quote unquote, um, <laughs> the crash site, basically, she gets only two things. She grabs the picture of her and her parents and then also this doll. And then later on it shows, oh, but she's also has a pocket full of posies and a whole bunch of other stuff on here. So it pulls out this canister of mooncakes that was a gift from her stepmom. But her stepmom, during the first conversation, as they were talking in the family, she's like, oh, yeah, I guess it, like my mom told me once that we think that we are direct descendants of of this guy. And it's really just in a passing. Like you don't notice oh. it unless you're like, oh, oh. Okay. Okay. Well, that, then, if that's the case, I'm I accept that. <laughs> but wow, that was that's quite a chain of events. You know, this is a, right. if we're we're a direct descendant. This is a family heirloom that is invaluable. Hey, and I'm just going to use it as a peace offering to give to my soon to be stepdaughter. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I accept it. Sure. Sounds good to me. Yeah. <laughs> so one other thing is. Her her little bunny, Bungie, was a gift from her her actual mother, right? Yes. And so freaking cute. Right before she died, it was the gift from the mother. Yes. And I yes. 
I've never wanted a bunny, but man, if a bunny looks like that with those <laughs> eyelashes, those, <laughs> and then with the added powers, ooh, oh, I know. <laughs> I was wondering if just by the fact that the bunny stayed on the moon with the other moon rabbit, Jade, mm-hmm. does that mean that the bunny died and is just in like that's a euphemism for saying that the bunny died? And is now on the moon? Um, <laughs> or is that just her leaving that piece behind? I, yes, I thought it more of the latter, more of the, the metaphor of letting go of the mother. And that was another thing that was holding her, tying her to her mother. Yet that was a physical embodiment of a gift that her mother had given her. So I'm sure she's going to have some splaining to do when she gets yeah. home. Like, where's Bungie? It's a live animal. <laughs> I don't know. There's... She, she's not here anymore. Oh. Where's Bungie? <laughs> um, so one thing I didn't necessarily love, like we talked about how visually, tonally, this is just like all over the place. And I just didn't really love the really random moon creatures. Uh-huh. And I understand, as Glenn Keane described it, you know, they're they're glowing from within. So that's why they kind of really do look different and they feel different. And like the shading and the texture isn't there. And and I didn't realize or recognize that at all until you just said it. So I'm like, oh, I get it now. But um, they were just like, why were they so random? And they were like the little, her, her backup singers, her bodyguards. And they were just these weird <laughs> shapes that may have meant something and may have been derived from, you know, different Chinese myths and culture and and symbols. But for me, I just thought it was super random, Uh, but it's cool. Yeah. And that's one thing when they were doing her big concert song, that was the moment when I'm like, yeah, all the other songs feel very familiar, feel very like Americanized musical type side. Broadway, like things that I'm used to. And then it gets to this point when I realize I'm like, this movie was not meant for me. <laughs> it, was, it, was it was very K pop. So, speaking of Chenga, her voice actress was Philippa Sue, who is, I was like, man, this, I love the way she sings. This sounds so familiar. She's amazing. She's incredible. And I figured out why I looked her up. And she is actually a Broadway actress and she is best known for creating the role of Eliza Hamilton in Hamilton. And Uh, once you, once you hear that and say that, it's like, Oh my gosh, I can't unhear it. She has a very unique, distinct way of singing. And it's great. (laughs) And Peggy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm going to have to go back and listen to the Mm -hmm. soundtrack just to hear that. And I'm like, I'm sure I'll, I will undoubtedly hear it the most. Mm -hmm. Once I put that together. So there's a part where the moon rabbit, Jade, is apparently the cook or the uh, sorcerer, <laughs> sorcerer, <laughs> apothecary type. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> it's the potion master. He's the Snape of the moon. Yes, 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 yes. He's creating all of these or creating stuff for Chenga. And then he just can't get this one thing right. You can tell because she's you're you're almost done. Right. And he's like, uh, about that. Uh, and so he, you see him like putting it all together and then all of a sudden, you know, the bungee comes in and it's like, Ooh, well, hello there. Uh, the Twitter patient begins and <laughs> she somehow gets powers now in her ears and snuggles up to him and then 
the magic ingredient is love. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Yeah, it's always love, isn't it? Huh? It is. Just... It is. All right. All right. <laughs> we'll go for this. So kind of going back to, we were talking about the chamber of sadness, not the chamber of secrets. No, no, no. <laughs> the chamber of sadness. I felt I could feel Glenn Keane's hand in when Chenga was sitting there floating kind of in this mist or wherever she was and her hair was floating up and spiling her around. I'm like, Oh, that is very much Ariel in the water. And I love it. <laughs> he has lots of experience of floating hair. He is the man. Yes. I'm sure he had he lots does. of feedback for those animators who were like, Oh gosh, I'm sure I have that seed. <laughs> I have to show it's it to true. Glenn next week. The hair God. <laughs> oh man hairography is his specialty it's true it's true so yeah we got that we got rapunzel but speaking of hair i was very surprised at the end i really thought because it seemed that you know when the mom died she had this long beautiful hair Fei, and then she chops it off and she has this horrible haircut like it's jagged it's spiky it's purposely done but it almost kind of feels like i don't know like a 2005 attempt at hair you know for cg <laughs> animation where it's just like chunky yeah. and doesn't flow um but that was very intentional and so i really thought at the end when it had the story had progressed a year that her hair and and i thought it did because they showed a picture of the new mom and Feifei, and it looked like her hair was, was longer, kind of chin length, shoulder length. And then we go back and they're having another kind of like lunar dinner for the celebration and her hair is exactly the same. And I'm like, ah, oh, why didn't, maybe yeah. there wasn't time and maybe it wasn't, you know, they didn't design that character to, to have this changing hair, but I don't know. I felt like it was just a huge missed opportunity to really show that she had let go and she had moved on and it was okay. And life was okay. She let her hair down. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of a bummer. I will say cutting your hair is a change moment. My hair has been long my entire life up until like, yeah, a couple of years ago, um, right after my parents sold their business and it was kind of, it was a huge change for me. And so I was like, you know what, if I'm going to change, I'm going to change everything. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, cutting my hair was kind of like my own sense of, I'm going to be a, I'm going to do different things right now. I'm just going to be different. And well, okay. When I was younger, I always, I had this thing where I, I wanted to change my hair a lot. And mm -hmm. a friend of mine, she's like, I feel like the reason why you're wanting to change your hair so much is because like you see that as a bit of your own power and uh -huh. your own control and you don't have control over this area of your life but you have control with this and i like it blindsided me in the fact that i was like oh my gosh you're so right and i see a lot of a lot of times when that is the case in my life it's not the case with everybody mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it, it has been the case in my life in a lot of different times and i can see when you i get into these points where i'm like uh screw it i'll just cut it myself and I've definitely seen people go through and you know, it's a little bit of a self-defining thing of mm -hmm. I'm going to cut here, I'm going to do this. So to see her have that in the process of losing her mom, it was really touching because you understood the pain a lot in, in a way that I've never like connected that she that you could uh, express in a film. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that, you know, she the moment 
it shows in this chamber of sadness where it's like the separation of her spirit and the mom's spirit. She's just like fine and just like cuts all of her hair off. And it's a, that the outer representation of the inner feelings. And I I just thought that was brilliant how they added that little aspect in there Mm -hmm. of how some people end up demonstrating certain feelings. All in all, I like the progression that we see with her. It's interesting comparing this to another Asian inspired film that we have just done Raya, who also loses a parent, gets the parent back gratefully, but I felt like I knew Fei Fei a lot more than I knew Raya. And I I don't Mm -hmm. keep meaning to like bring this back to Raya (laughs) and I'm not bashing Raya at all, but it just feels when you, when you see something comparative or something a little different, you, it makes you realize, wow, I know this character. I feel this character. I went on a journey with this character with Raya. The majority that I felt with her was mostly when she was a child. Um, I felt like I really kind of got her. She was cool. She was hip and she was just wanted to be this like ninja warrior to help protect the, the dragon stone. And then once it was adult Raya, like it was a little more tame and muted. It was just like, okay, I got to get these things. And for the because the plot, you know, we got to check off. It was like a video game almost where it's like, we go here, then we go here, yes. then we go here, then we fight the yes. final boss. And I, it lost the emotion and kind of the, the character in that because they just kind of, it felt very plodding along to this inevitable end. But yeah, here, Fei-Fei, you know, she was very well developed, a real true character from the very first five to 10 minutes. Like I knew who she was. And I, I said this about Klaus as well. Um, I felt Klaus, I very much understood the main character in that within the first 10 minutes and it got me invested. I really cared about it and it continued from there. So, uh, overall I enjoyed the journey that I was taking on, on this film and really, really glad that I saw it. And I'm now going to be recommending it to so many people like don't sleep on this movie. The fact that it was a musical was a very pleasant surprise. I let me, can I interrupt you? Sure. Do I have a choice? (laughs) Speaking of musical, I mean, we were talking about, we were talking about Raya, we're talking about Mulan, and we're talking about Fei-Fei, you know, Mm -hmm. with Raya, the big missing element is the music, you know? Yeah. She didn't really have those musical elements to build her character. And we do have, this is a musical, and there's many times where Fei-Fei is singing, like two at the very beginning, uh, initially, right? And then she kind of has that big, big moment, the the one right before she decides to like go to the moon. And it was kind of like the reflection moment, kind of like the, Mm -hmm. the Moana um, you know, the, I want song. Exactly. And that's really important. It really does help that character just grow and help us care about that care, really just care and understand Uh their plight. Yeah. And it's amazing how quickly a musical number will tell a bit of a story that just, you know, a dialogue could never do. Mm -hmm. So I, I really liked a lot of the songs and all the singers were amazing. Everything that was made was made really well. The things that I I was lamenting was just how it was good, but it could have been great. Mm-hmm. You know, there were just those little things that if you would have just shifted here and there just to add a little bit more connection to those to the things that you already put out there. I think it really would have tied it all together nicely um, as it was. There was just a lot of little phrase uh, mm-hmm. of strings like that. I'm like. There's too many strings left out (laughs) that Mm -hmm. I want to be that could have emotionally tied me to this a lot better. All in all, for me, I would say uh, I think it just resonated at like a three and a half to four stars. Uh 
I think like three and a half stars is where it resonates with me. Like I said, it's good and it's quite good, but it's not quite great. Mm -hmm. So that's where I was at. Before I get into my rating, I just wanted to talk one more thing. I got very much Moana vibes from Feifei, just in her, her eyes, the way that she expressed Mm. herself, her voice. All the women had like these giant eyes. Yeah. The dad is like, normal. (laughs) Yeah. A little smaller, less Disney princessy. Right. Um, I don't know. I just, I totally could be like, I know one's from Pacific islands and she's from China, but they could be sisters. You know, it just seemed like they're very, very similar in how they express themselves and how they were animated. And even the voice actors or the voice actresses, Mm. they kind of had similar like ways of, of acting. So, and similar voices. So with that, what will I rate it? I'm going to give this four stars. I heard lots of great things about this. I just never really got around to seeing it. I'm really, really bummed that I wasn't more on my game when this came out because uh, last when this came out last October, I was pregnant. I was still sick. So I was just kind of zombie surviving at that point. But man, I really wish I would have been on the ball because I could have <laughs> reached out to Glenn Keane's team because we're on their PR list and could have done some really cool interviews with them. But Alas, I will let it go. I will move on. It's in the past. Yeah, I was, <laughs> but I the was, movie. I was dead to the world during that month as well. So, <laughs> and, and it's it's. I really want people to know about this film. I really love the characters. Feifei was a great protagonist, and I love Changa. Again, I'm butchering the name as usual, but she was just so cool to me. I loved her, and I thought all of these extra pieces of the moon creatures, those were unnecessary. I feel like they still could have built a really cool movie of just her kind of being in solitary confinement on the moon without all of these kind of wacky characters that just really are only there to like, you know, we need to go back to the spaceship to get this thing and come back. And she has some bodyguards and whatnot. It just, uh-huh. yeah. I, I think <laughs> if we could have cut them and maybe she could have had just, just Jade. <laughs> what? Oh, the biker chicks. That was a great gag. (laughs) Even, you know, she could have had just Jade there with her as a companion. Yeah. You know, it it very much feels like she could have been very much like Cersei from the Greek legends where Cersei is just basically exiled to an island on her own. This could have been the same thing. And it would have been really cool because when you were just you, you have to struggle and it takes a toll on you just being by yourself. And I think it could have kind of exacerbated how much she wanted to get back with her lover, you know, that much more because she truly was alone and she did this, you know, and it kind of went awry, but anyways, really enjoyed the film, loved the music, still kind of thought it was kind of all over the place with the different visuals and everything. It's like, you could have taken it's yeah, but somehow it just all works in a really weird way. And I liked it. So four stars way to go team. Woohoo. I am coming to you I'll away Papa I will prove it to you I'll be free of all gravity Hey Chung I'm gonna be there soon All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. It was very thought provoking and emotional and and it was a musical. Yay! Mm-hmm. <laughs> So we would really love to be able to hear from you. So please give us a call. You can go and leave us a voicemail at 406-646-6575. You can also go to rotoscopers.com slash voicemails and let us know what you think. We will have a lot of great movies coming up. And so if you would like to know 
more about what we have on the docket, you can go to rotoscopers.com slash every episode ever. And I try to keep a pretty uh, good list on what we have coming up. So you can mm-hmm. go on there and you can click the little button that says send a voicemail. Mm-hmm. And we would love to hear from you because... We like it. Yeah, we actually have a whole bunch of films planned out for the next little bit. We're going to be doing The Rescuers. We're going to be doing The Rescuers Down Under, Isle of Dogs, The Incredibles 2, Missing Link, Grave of the Fireflies. Like We have our schedule packed and ready to go through the end of summer. So if any of those movies you have thoughts, go ahead and send us the voicemails and we will get them in on the show. So this was great. Thanks for doing this with me, Chelsea, as usual. And... Thank you for listening, for supporting the show. Again, the easiest way to support the show, the freest way is to leave a five-star review in iTunes. We love it. And today's five-star review of the day is by Yankees Girl C21. It says, animation lovers must. So glad the addicts are back. Great coverage of animated films, new and old. Hosts have a great chemistry and are super knowledgeable. Why, thank you. Thank you very much. A podcast for any (laughs) animation lover. Aw, thank you so much. So, with that, that's all I have for you guys. Until next time, we we are are the Rotoscopers. It just reminds me of... Like growing up, we did have rabbits. We had these two rabbits and I don't know what happened to them. Mm-hmm. I, I think back and I'm like, I honestly don't know what happened to them. And I think my dad probably just said something like, oh, we let him go free in the backyard. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like, I I think that that's I got. I think I was bamboozled yeah. <laughs> as a yeah. child. Like, you know, those, oh, those rabbits okay. do multiply. So, I mean, they, they probably were smart we to had... get them out before thousands right. came in. <laughs> I can't mess up my our catchphrase, which isn't like <laughs> the greatest catchphrase in the world. It's like pretty generic. <laughs> Until next time. <laughs> Austin <laughs> Wego. <laughs> it's cool. Bye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I just was thinking of Mulan where you have the the old uh ancestors like you're the one who got our you know what's his name's like head removed. And he's like, yeah, thanks. <laughs> so that voice just reminded me of that. Anyway. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they ruined that movie. I I haven't seen it. I'm I don't really want to, to be honest. I mean, no. I don't, I don't personally, it's fine. They ruined it. You just ruined it. It's fine. It's not fine, but it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. You're fine. I'm fine. <laughs> it's my passive aggressive. It's fine. <laughs> You've been listening to the Animation Addicts podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe and be sure to leave us a five-star review. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to help spread the word, be sure to share the podcast with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag us at Rotoscopers on Instagram and use the hashtag Animation Addicts. For all the links and full show notes for this episode, go to rotoscopers.com slash podcast. Now, if you still can't get enough for your animation fix, be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube and visit rotoscopers.com for more animation news, reviews, and interviews. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.